0: Sorry. (laughs) We'll cut it. (laughs) Flood warning.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Do What You Can for the People, the show that nobody asked for. I'm here today with my dear friend, Vivian. Vivian is the founder and lead consultant at Ascendant Sustainable Events. We've been friends for over 10 years, and we've worked together in so many different capacities. I think I've like, lost track of all the ways. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of fun, and we have a lot in common, but the thing that we've been vi- vibing on the hardest for the past few years is sustainability, duh. Uh, Vivi's company. <laughs> company Ascendance made its grand entrance onto the scene earlier this year and is entirely dedicated to helping events become more sustainable. Thanks so much for being on the show, Vivi. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to see what you're creating and to be a part of it. Love it. What else are you going to do in quarantine but create content? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought we'd kick things off the way that we usually do on the show with some facts and some info and today we'll be talking about event sustainability. Um, Everyone knows that events are temporary in nature right they happen you get together you build it up it happens and then everyone kind of goes on their way but what a lot of people forget is that events are inherently wasteful uh, once the attendees have gone home the vendors have packed up everything's broken down the community that the event was in the community that the event was in is left to deal with all of the unintended negative consequences that sometimes take weeks, months, or even years to fully manifest. And so that's what Vivi has really dedicated her life and her business to, is helping events see those unintended consequences and mitigate them before they happen. Correct me if I'm
0: wrong. No, totally correct. You know, and it, it, as we'll talk about it, it, it comes from all different angles, um, you know, what those impacts can, can look like. But yeah, most of the time, it's just an exorbitant amount of waste and, uh, you know, things that are completely avoidable if we just thought a little bit more about it and it took some time to strategize around it. And so, yeah, that's what I help events do. Which is great. Mm-hmm. So Vivi
1: and I worked together this year on an event sustainability guide, which we will link down below where you can go and get that. And she identified six categories uh, for making events more sustainable. And so I thought we'd quickly talk about these um, and you can give us a high level takeaway for each. So the first, and maybe we should talk about the first two together sure. are preventing pollution and reducing waste. So right. what is the difference between
0: those two and how do they overlap in certain ways sure so they certainly overlap because as you reduce your waste you reduce your pollution kind of you know uh, uh, in a related way but not necessarily right so a lot of the the pollution that happens on an event site comes from uh, stuff that people bring in themselves right it has nothing to do with what the festival brings in in some cases the biggest example of that is cigarette butts right like everybody brings their cigarettes They smoke them, they end up on the ground. That's, you know, one of the number one things that we find after events is cigarette butts because uh, most cleaning crews are trained to pick up the cups, they pick up the bottles, they pick up, you know, the, what we call the macro trash, but the micro litters, then, you know, those are the ones that really end up staying in the environment. And so that's why they're two different things. It's because the micro usually comes from things that people bring in themselves you know, little gum wrappers, random little things. Uh, whereas the the waste really is is stuff that the festival creates. So um, some initiatives for preventing pollution look totally different than initiatives for reducing waste, right? Like your biggest one will be a leave no trace campaign or something similar, right? Leave no trace is an awesome organization that has developed campaign after campaign for national parks, for events, for all sorts of of uh, different partnerships that they have. Um, so you can either have a, an official Leave No Trace campaign or you can make your own. Uh, we did, for example, at an event that I did last year, we did it, we called it Leave Only Footprints uh, because it was an event on the beach. Love that. So you, Yeah, you can make cute little campaigns like that that have presence before the event. When people arrive at the event, there should be signage. It's just kind of reminding people. And it's a, a big kind of collaboration with your cleaning crew, right? Because the cleaning crew, if they're trained properly, if they're even like outfitted in t-shirts that have the campaign on them. And it's a really good constant reminder of let's keep the place clean because what we've learned time after time is that once it starts getting messy, people stop caring. They know that, you know, somebody's going to have to clean up this mess. So I'm just going to throw my stuff on the ground too. So that's preventing pollution, but then waste reduction, as you know, is like a big, big, uh, you know, kind of strategy that can be put in place. And this really goes into thinking, you know, backwards, thinking from, you know, put fast forward to a dumpster at the end of your event. What is in that dumpster? Is it, you know, like what makes up a majority of that stuff? How can you find a, another home for that stuff? You know, so many times the stuff that ends up in dumpsters is perfectly usable by a community organization or, You know, uh, somebody who's like we donated things to the parks department last year because they were going to construct something out of the wood that we didn't use. So, you know, things like that, partnerships like that, um, are great great waste reduction initiatives. And then there's also, of course, recycling and uh, the types of materials that you use. If you if you can use um, compostable materials and make sure that those get processed accordingly, things like that. So, it's kind of a, a bigger scale thing to do waste reduction
1: absolutely and one thing that i noted when you were talking about preventing pollution and this is something that i think is very central to your business and your brand and your ethos in life is it has a lot to do with marketing and the marketing then feeds into educating the consumer and i think that's really what a lot of this is getting at not just the consumer but also
0: the community the vendors the the partners that you engage with right yeah absolutely you know I- communication is is the key to any of these campaigns being successful but it's important like you pointed out to remember that our communications aren't just what goes out on our social media right our communications are what goes out to our vendors what goes out to our employees what goes out to our staff all of that should be part of the communication plan of a sustainability initiative so yeah it it starts with that internal communication it starts with getting the entire organization and all of your partners to buy in on these new values that you're trying to establish. And then only then can you really kind of host the event and come from a, from a place of already setting it up for success. Mm
1: -hmm. So let's go through a couple more of these categories. The next one is conserving nature.
0: Yeah. So conserving nature is, my favorite um you know it's it's definitely one of one of the things that i like to specialize on is events that happen in outdoor spaces that have kind of sensitive natural habitats around them something i specialized in with uh my work at ultra and uh and that same venue i've had multiple events there um so yeah you know when, when we're going to these events which are happening more and more and i think after covid going to happen more and more of what we're going to be wanting to be in outdoor spaces, we're gonna be wanting to be in nature. You know, how can, what can we do to first understand the space that we're in and then conserve it as much as possible? So some good examples of this are like doing um, you know, these, these kind of uh, surveys with you know, local uh, naturalists or biologists or ecologists that really, really understand uh, uh, the ecology of that space um you know f- so that they can first kind of make you aware of okay these are native trees and these are native plants these are invasive so those we don't have to worry about that much you know they they kind of start to draw you a map of where is safe to be and where you have to be careful um, and then it also gives you a really good opportunity to educate people so it's been so nice when I learned you know that this like massive tree that's in the middle of uh, you know, an event has been there for 200 years, and then we can put up a little sign in front of it that says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm 200 years old, and, you know, please don't hang from my branches, um, you know, things like that, so, so those are great uh, nature conservation initiatives that can always be present, um, you know, at an event, whether you're in a natural space or you're not, you know, even if you have an event that's taking place in a warehouse, well, do you have a beach nearby that you can maybe Um, you know, host a beach cleanup at before or after the event? Can you, um, you know, take on, you know, a a mission of uh, uh, educating people on marine debris? And so you do some sort of, uh, you know, donation to a local nonprofit organization. There's tons of stuff that can be done to conserve nature, you know, and, and always related to like the nature that's present around the venue.
1: And that also then makes it a little bit bigger than just taking care of the venue, which I think is important when you're coming at sustainability from any angle is that you have to remember the whole and think about the system, um, which kind of leads into the next one, which is managing natural resources, which don't
0: belong to an individual venue, but to the community at large. Right. You know, so our natural resources that we want to, you know, always be considerate of is our water, our energy and our air. Uh, those are the main ones, you know, and certainly energy and air have been the ones that, you know, have really risen to the top with the whole climate change conversation because, you know, we're we're really learning and seeing a very real impact of, uh, you know, our energy usage and how much carbon footprint we're creating and how much that carbon in the air is, is directly attributed to climate change. So um, that's the biggest thing that I focus on usually when managing natural resources. I try to first uh, conserve energy everywhere possible, move from, you know, really high carbon footprint energy sources like diesel generators, you know, move those to biodiesel if I have to use a generator or move it to ground power if, you know, if we have ground power. So many times I've learned that events just kind of don't trust the, the ground power that's there, even though it's been proven to work and can be tested, they just rather have their generator. And it's like, can we please not do that yeah so things like that um but you can of course do easy things also like you know managing your water usage um you know all it takes is like a little sign on the mirror by the bathroom sinks that say hey guys you know turn me off when you're done or try to try to keep this light um paper is another good example of of a natural resources you know it comes from trees so can we use sustainably sourced papers can we make sure that we're recycling papers that are able to be recycled things like that
1: yeah Um, I also would love one day and this can be an offline chat to talk about whether or not events are thinking about doing carbon offsets especially if they like attract a very international um, crowd so that's something that I worked on in school was we had a footprint committee and because a lot of our students travel from all across the nation we calculated our programs carbon footprint and then purchased the required offsets
0: Yep yeah we absolutely were thinking that for ultra 2020 we were actually working out a a partnership it's unfortunate that it didn't uh, come to fruition but we were working out out a partnership with a local carbon offsetting company that was actually going to plant trees here locally and uh, that was like you know such a beautiful initiative and I, i hope we can bring it back someday because uh um you know like a lot of these carbon offsetting programs first of all if we can talk about it for a minute, like make sure that it's verified, make sure that it's, you know, something that you know is is being held accountable to some sort of standard. Um, you know, I've, I've heard some nightmares about some of, some of these programs, but it's pretty easy now to figure out which ones are, are good and not. But in a lot of cases, um, you know, the projects actually happen somewhere else in the world. You know, this, this particular one that we're working with there, offset programs were like in the Amazon or in Africa. And that's amazing. Absolutely. We're going to, uh, you know, kind of invest half of our offsets in those projects, but then we wanted it to have a really local Local. impact as well. So they actually were researching how to, uh, partner with a local government agency that was, uh, planting trees kind of like with the local parks department. So it was really, really awesome. And, uh, and yeah, hopefully we can do something like that. Love that. Yeah. So I think the last four that
1: we've talked about, which just as
0: a recap, were preventing pollution,
1: reducing waste, conserving nature, and managing natural resources. All kind of feed into the fifth one, which we've touched right. on:
0: right. engaging
1: communities. So right. why don't you tell us about how that is a core element of making events more sustainable?
0: Yeah. So I think that once you kind of figure out what it is that you want to do for all four of those, you know, previous um, subjects, then. You can move into the communications, like external communications and internal communications, like we talked about before, and that's where you can engage your community, right? So, um, the biggest community that you can engage is your attendees. Normally, it's it's you know the people that are on your property. You have the ability to kind of control a little bit of you know what they're being exposed to, um, and and yeah, you, if with those communications, you can kind of uh, you know train them on what to expect when they're coming to your event and then you know give them a little bit of idea of how they can help how they can participate you can do that before and then when they arrive you know again signage announcements like whatever it looks like for the event that makes sense um you know app we're doing app push notifications sometimes as well um so yeah that's that's how you really get the community engaged in actually participating in the initiative right because some of these initiatives are really back of house or they're, they're really you know like premeditated strategy on how things are going to look and and then once the event is live it's happening but for example with the leave no trace campaign or something similar that's really like a full everybody has to get on board to do that so that's where those internal and external communications come into play and then you know a huge part of that is that your community externally you know not not just your attendees but your local you know, host city, will see what you're doing. And then hopefully, you know, you can use those engagements to, you know, show your local councils, your local decision makers, your, you know, local organizations, like, hey, guys, this is what we're doing. Do you want to join on? Do you want to come have a booth at our event and, you know, help us with this, bring volunteers, like, you know, that's when, you know, these really awesome partnership opportunities come to play, like the one that we're working on with this carbon offsetting group Um, so yeah that's that's uh, you know it's it's really beautiful uh, when you finally see that an event has done a good job of of this and so yeah that's kind of the the best part
1: I think one of my favorite takeaways from your guide around engaging communities was also around um, talking to the people who are already doing the sustainability work in your community which is twofold it's one you draw them into the conversation and you make them an ally as opposed to an adversary, and two work smarter, not harder yeah. um, if they are already experts in the field, use that so you can get to your end goal faster
0: for sure, and more often than not they they really are dying to you know just share with you everything that they know, everything that they 've been learning this entire time that they've been you know an organization like that that really was the case um you know for ultra and it it was so funny because at first these were the organizations that were most worried about you know what ultra was going to do and in the end they ended up being like you said our biggest allies i mean they they really taught us and and you know not only just like how miami works from an environmental perspective put us in, in touch with the right people so that we could really get knowledge but they also you know just supported all of our initiatives and they even did a like unexpected audit of uh, our initiatives and gave us an a grade on you know everything that we did so it was really awesome i loved working with them
1: it was a good time yeah the last one which is a relatively new one for the list but it should have been thought of all along if you ask me is promoting public health Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the recent news of the pandemic, but how does promoting public health come into play with an event?
0: So, you know, like we've been talking about, right, like all of these communications that go out that, that, you know, should be going out regardless, you know, whether it's sustainability related or like how to get your tickets, how to, you know, check in, like there's always a lot of communication that goes out in advance of An event. So why not, you know, use this opportunity also to communicate how people can be safe and healthy. Um, You know, it it adds to the sustainability of your event when your event is, you know, considered a safe place that's that's giving people the opportunity, um, you know, to to stay healthy and then also encouraging that and, uh, you know, and then like just maintaining it because know, hey, if you have an outbreak at your event, what are the chances that you know you're gonna be able to come back? I mean, you know, that's that's an impact on the community that is, you know, far worse than than you know everything else that that we've discussed. I mean, health is numero uno. So um yeah, you know, and something else that we've been trying to focus on is how can we both promote public health and be sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you know, a lot of the advice that I've been seeing come out by organizations is like completely reverting to old uh, styles of, uh, you know, of, of use once and throw away. I mean, I, I've seen it on, on multiple guides already. Like make sure you're using single use plastic water bottles. It's like, but no, like, you know, it's, it, you can be healthy and sustainable. Right. You know, there are ways there soap and water is the number one thing that the CDC has recommended for how you can clean your place you which know? has been like, around for like maybe longer than plastic yeah, has been around it's like people exactly. completely forgot about that yeah people forgot that for a long time we didn't even have plastic so it just blows my mind when it, you know I'm seeing some of this advice and and yeah so that's that's what we're trying to do is really you know help events to um you know be prepared for, for, you know, safety and in, in public health, but also to keep sustainability in mind when they're doing it. And that looks as easy as, you know, having hand sanitize, sanitizing stations and hand washing stations that are properly stocked. I mean, how many times have you gone to an event and you go to wash your hands, there's no water? You know, like, okay, so we get to be better at that. And you can also wash other things in, you know, these, these water stations, things like that. So we'll figure it out.
1: We will. I have faith in humanity to figure out. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
1: So we've talked a lot in theory uh, and you've given us some great examples, but I thought we could go through a few more examples from around the world because sustainability is happening everywhere. And quite frankly, I think a lot of other countries are doing it a lot better than we are. Um, so the first one that I wanted to bring up is the Glasgow 2014 Commonwealth Games. It was the first Commonwealth Games to secure the ISO 21201
0: 200, 20. <laughs> We always we always uh, struggle with that in the sustainability world. 2121.
1: Yeah, that one, (laughs) which was more than 2.1 million people that attended events uh, over a period of time held throughout Scotland to celebrate the Glasgow 2014 Commonwealth Games. And on top of doing the things that you would normally expect a modern event to do, things like composting all their food and having, you know, better forms of cutlery and stuff like that, they also reused uh, 260,000 items of furniture and equipment from the London 2012 Olympics. They had recycling ambassadors, which I know you will give us better examples of later. Uh, Their game venues were constructed using recycled food waste, which I found really interesting. And over the year, Scotland collected compost from its residents and then used that compost to grow the astroturf that was used in the athletes village. That was just a really cool example of an entire city coming together to make this an event that they were proud of, not just because they were hosting it, but because of the way that they were hosting it with those sustainability goals in mind.
0: Yeah, amazing. I mean, definitely Europe has always just amazed me at how far ahead of the game they are as compared to us. Um, You know, that's where I've learned a lot of, uh, you know, kind of my my principles uh, uh, have come and examples have come from there. I don't know if you saw too, like in London last year for Glastonbury, they had, you know, their first single use plastic free um, event. As far as like the the distributions that were coming from the festival, they had no single use plastic and they did like this series of beach cleanups uh, all over the country and they collected, uh, I can't remember how many pounds of, of plastic waste from the you know from the water and they actually melted it together and built a stage out of it. That's so so cool. yeah, it's like they are, you know, I look up to them and and you know, hope for my events to do amazing things like that someday. Uh, there's also a digital festival in Amsterdam, they're gonna be like the world's first circular festival. Entirely circular. They will have no waste and do something with the rest of it. It's just that's incredible. Awesome. Yeah. Um,
1: definitely got to make it out there for that festival one of these days but i was doing some research for this episode and i just found like lists on lists on lists of all the european festivals and a lot of festivals in southeast asia as well that are really doing awesome things with sustainability so
0: um
1: but let's bring it back home and let's talk about an event that is near and dear to both of us (laughs) uh, burning
0: man which is
1: where a lot of this inspiration spite sparked for both of us
0: yeah Absolutely. Like attending Burning Man, my first time back in 2011, um, you know, that is where all of this really, you know, kind of started for me, you know, seeing a community come together to take care of a space that big and that expansive and, you know, not seeing like, like having people notice when there was one tiny piece of trash that was you know, floating along and everybody running after it. I mean, that just completely blew my mind. It completely changed my perspective on, you know, how we should behave at an event. Um, You know, having to think before going about, you know, all of the packaging that we use. And like, that was the first time that I had ever had to like, take apart my packaging, you know, of all the things that I bought and throw it away. And when I ended up with this massive bag of trash I was like wow you know like we don't we don't feel it as much when we're you know just doing one one pack of batteries you know one bag of toilet paper whatever it is but wow like when you see it like that it is it's extraordinary and so it really just kind of made me realize how how impactful I was being as an attendee thinking that you know I'm super eco-conscious and you know, no, I I myself had a lot of ways that I had to figure out what to do with, so.
1: And it's not, like, a knock against who you are, it's the world that we live in. Yeah, for for a large part, um, that everything comes in so much packaging, but I think for me, one of the eye-opening moments at Burning Man was the last day when we had to do our uh, moop sweeps with a giant rake Mm -hmm. of our, like, large campsite, Mm -hmm. and we had to pick up every Boa feather, every little piece of plastic, every piece of glitter had to be picked up and accounted for. And for me, that was like, oh, it's not just leave no trace to the naked eye, it's truly leave no trace. Like pick up your shit, put it in a bag, and take it with you because there is no such thing as a way. This is yeah. not your way. Um, yeah.
0: So I thought that was terrible. for sure. I mean, that's, that's when you really start to learn what it means right and you really start to realize like at first i was kind of like well you know like one piece of glitter like what's that gonna do no there are insects and you know there's like even in that desert you see you see all sorts of little crawly Mm -hmm. things that might you know come across that and it's it changed my perspective too on like i used to think oh well you know is it really going to hurt them well a yes it can Hurt them. Micro litter, litter is absolutely the worst thing that can, you know, a a small animal can come into contact with. But even then, it's like, why are we okay with just like leaving all of this stuff there? Like it, what it's not there naturally, so it shouldn't be there when Mm -hmm. we leave. So yeah, Yeah. it's it's a lot, and it's amazing.
1: I think everyone should go to Burning Man at least once in their life.
0: Everyone. Yeah. Agree.
1: <laughs> Not to mention it's just a great time. Like, yeah we make it sound like a lot of work, but go to Burning Man, it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah,
0: no. quarter, it's a lot of fun. It's totally worth it. Um,
1: and then let's bring it even a little bit more close to home. So, let's talk about Ultra Music Festival
0: in Miami, which is Your Baby. I'll call it Your Baby. Yeah. It was my baby. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was I was brought on to Ultra because I had already done a couple of events at this very eco-sensitive venue which is Virginia Key Beach Park uh, for those of you who don't know um it's it's my favorite place in Miami it is absolutely an island paradise like you feel like you're in a postcard it's just the the most beautiful space if I could live there in a tree I would <laughs> um so I had done a couple of events at at that park and uh, suddenly, um, you know, Ultra, which usually happens at uh, Bayfront Park, which is downtown, it's an urban park that has a lot of like facilities and it's more concrete and, you know, has some trees and stuff, but it is more of an urban park. Um, the festival that year got moved to Virginia Key. And so, um, uh, I mean, it was, you know, this, the whole community was up in arms, including myself, to be honest. Like. Mm-hmm. I was really not sure, you know, if this was a good idea. It's, you know, my events that had taken place at Virginia Key were 5,000 person events where, you know, this event is 50,000 person people per day for three days. So uh, um, yeah, it was, it was worrisome. And suddenly one thing led to the other. My name got, you know, sent to, to Ultras Management and they got in touch with me because they really wanted somebody. They were, they were really serious, which I wasn't, I wasn't aware of at the time but they were really really serious about taking care of the park um, you know and they really wanted somebody who was familiar with the park and who had done things like this before and I was really the only person who had so yeah it was uh, an amazing ride uh, it was my dream job uh, um, I, I worked with them for two years we're on uh, uh, on our way to doing the second year when the event got postponed unfortunately but Yeah, in our first year alone, we reduced our plastic items by 526,000 single-use plastic items. Uh, We had 100% of our recycling loads were accepted at the facility, which is unheard of for an event of this size. Uh, We diverted, what was it, 59,000 pounds of waste I think actually it went over, I think it was like 60,000, something like that, pounds of waste. Um, We had uh, like almost 100% compliance of like, we did all of these bands. I mean, you were there for this, Mm -hmm. you know, you did so much work with me on uh, making sure that, you know, all of the internal communications that we had sent out were followed and that our vendors were doing the right thing. And they really did. They were so proud of, of complying to all of our you know, asks of like, Hey, don't use single use plastic. Don't, you know, make sure your stuff is backyard compostable. Um, and, and yeah, you saw, we had, you know, almost a hundred percent compliance. It was amazing. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it was uh, definitely my, my proudest accomplishment are um, we launched a, a campaign that year called the mission home campaign. That was kind of our sustainability program and it reached 2.7 million people before the gates even opened so incredible yeah it was just it was really really amazing and and that's just a testament to what can happen when an organization really gets behind this Mm -hmm. and all it took was bringing on one person that really cared about it because you know everybody thinks that i had like this massive team you know like i i did i had a great little team By the time we got to the event, I really needed my little
1: team. Thank God. I think one of my favorite memories from that ultra was about the dancing cleans, how we were doing a little (laughs) TV segment for it. And we went into one of the stage areas and the whole idea behind the dancing clean crew was it was these volunteers wearing capes holding trash bags wearing gloves and they would dance through the crowd and they would pick up the trash and like encourage other people to pick up the trash and this segment was being filmed on the last day and so I guess we had done our job too well yeah. because there was no trash on yeah. the yep, we had to plant trash I had to before. like dump some out and it just went against <laughs> everything in my soul to be littering <laughs> like that
0: but you got to do what you got to do um, yeah yeah that was so funny I remember I was like okay I was like trying to like make sure I saw every cigarette butt that we like put back on the ground so that we could bring them all back in but yeah, yeah. we we did too good of a job there was no trash people were
1: really into that too the idea of like these caped heroes coming in and like educating people like hey pick up your trash yep. it's fun
0: and it, it was so effective so genius yeah it was awesome it was so much fun and yeah, we were, you know, in twenty twenty we were looking forward to expanding that program. I had ordered oh my gosh, I like still have a bunch of capes that we ordered and like, you know, we're we're gonna do it bigger and better too. And that's what's really cool is, you know, we accomplished all of that in Ultra's first year. And so seeing what it was gonna be in twenty twenty and what it'll hopefully be in some future, it it's like incredible to see how you can you know test these initiatives learn stuff really quickly about how you can do better and then come back and do it better the next year and it it even comes a bit easier because you've figured out most of the logistics and you just have to make tweaks um you know it's kind of like the eco village right like the eco village at ultra was historically this like health and wellness space and you know, us coming on and and doing this, you know, whole sustainability program. We're like, all right, we get to make it really the eco village. And uh, we had all of these environmental organizations that came. We tested some cool stuff. And so, you know, in 2020, some of those ideas were going to get expanded to more of the festival. And that's what we're trying to do, as well as like bring some new ideas in. And then hopefully in 2021, expand those into the festival. So you can really use it as kind of a testing grounds for, you know, what can um, you know become a bigger initiative in the future and you know usually you're you're able to make something happen so it's really cool
1: awesome so why don't you tell a little tell us a little bit about the future um, talk about ascendance and how you're going to take all of these wonderful experiences um, not just from ultra but your life experiences plus your passion and change the event space because I know you will
0: yeah thank you yeah that's that's the the dream you know and especially it's been so funny to see all of this happen you know at first like seeing covid completely wipe out the events industry was shocking and scary and uh you know it was it, it did not feel good and especially it did not feel good after working so hard on ultra um and not having it come to fruition but you know what it created is this like massive pause in this, this industry-wide, you know, forced time to rethink and re-strategize and, you know, and change things. I mean, the, the number one excuse that I hear when I present sustainability initiatives to an event is we don't have time. And now you have all the time in the <laughs> world, guys, all right? So let's figure this out. So that's what the future looks like for us. We we built this guide, which thank you so much for everything that you put into it. I mean, it literally would not be without you. So thank you. I had the best time. Yeah, it was so great working on it with you. And I'm so happy it's out. I'm so happy about the media attention that it's received beyond all of our expectations, I think. Um, you know, so that's that's what's, what's in the future for us. We're just going to continue putting out education and uh, helping people with everything we can as i've always said it's it's about the real green for us not the other kind of green not the money you know like we we really just want to put these resources out there so the events can do them whether they can hire us on or not and if you need help great we're here um you know certainly it's the bigger events that usually need like a really really you know specific plan for how this is all going to take place um but even the smaller events you know and that's why we try to do packages that are reasonable for for small events as well we just did an event industry relief package that starts at 260 dollars i think so it's like you know we just want to be able to at least give you the tools that you need and uh, and that way you know while you're while you have some time on your hands you know think about how you can do this, even if it's just taking on a couple of small things, you know, how are we going to make some progress coming out of this? And as you've seen, you know, there's been so much, you know, progress in the environment, right? We've seen like wildlife taking back over these these places that we never expected and super quickly, you know? And so it's like, how can we continue to support that? How can we, you know, step lightly back on the planet instead of, you know, just kind of, erasing all the progress that the planet made. And, you know, I'm I'm hoping that this does a little bit of that.
1: I know it will. I'll be sure to include links down in the description box so people can find you on social media, can find your website, can download the amazing guide that we wrote, um, get in touch with you, hire you, do all (laughs) of those wonderful things. And before we say goodbye, do you have any other closing words, Vivi?
0: Um, you know, I, I guess I have closing words for everybody who's not an event organizer. Like this is the time to reach out to those people and be like, hey, this is important to me. Mm-hmm. And you don't know want during my time in lockdown, I realized that I made some changes. And I think you guys can too. And so that's really one of the ideas behind the guide is, you know, and making it open source, it's completely free. It's, you know, you can download it on our website. So you know send them the guide or um you know just mention in a comment on social media that this is you know something that you're looking forward to when they come back you know i think that um you know we talk so much about what event organizers can do but really it's the attendees that have the power to voice what is important to them and what they're going to be looking for and event organizers listen to their attendees right like those are your ticket holders those are the people that keep your event alive so it is just as important for us as attendees to, you know, reach out to the events that we love and tell them that, that this is something that we expect and that we want to see them working on. And by all means, shoot them our contact information. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Vivi will hold them accountable. I know
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Viv, thanks so much for joining us and to everyone else. I'll see you next time. See ya. <laughs>